0: All right, amen, can you hear me, great, thank you guys, good morning South Bay Church, Uh, it's been some time, and uh, my wife and I, we're grateful to be here, Merry Christmas to everyone, Uh, we're excited to spend time here during the holidays with our families, uh, both in the valley And uh, my mom is here with us, and she's from El Segundo, and so I'm grateful to spend some time with her, uh, to see her grandson, her little uh, grandson there, hanging out in the front row. You know, Addie and I uh, have been living in Dallas for the past four years, as mentioned, and uh, it's been a little bit of a transition for us. It's the only other place we've known and and called home. And so it's a little bit of a transition for us. You know, there's a saying in Texas that uh, if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute, because it'll literally go from snow one day to about, you know, 65 the next. And that really has happened before. Uh, You know, uh, we've even considered buying a little tornado shelter, Uh, you know, but this is when I really knew I wasn't in El Segundo anymore. To my left, there was uh, all these homes and to my right, there was just acres of land. And then in front of me on the road were four cows. And so I was forced to stop and I began to honk at them, and uh, they just kind of looked at me like, hey, what's your problem? And I was like, wait, wait, no, 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 it's backwards. You're the problem. I'm not the one with the problem. You are. This is, this is weird. This is, that's when I knew I wasn't in El Segundo any longer. But uh, we're grateful. We're just so grateful for the many years we've gotten to spend here uh, in the South Bay serving as a uh, younger Uh, Slightly thinner, Uh, some might say a little less than mature volunteer team leaders. So I'm grateful for all the families, the parents, the mentors I've had here uh, who were very involved in my life upon graduation uh, of college and uh, coming to serve as a volunteer team leader because we love the teen ministry. I think of guys like Owen Thomas who not only helped me uh, to become a disciple, to study the Bible, but he, he helped me land my first job out of college. And, uh, you know, it's just so awesome to be united with him. And uh, every March 13th, he always gets a phone call from me just thanking him uh, for studying the Bible with me and showing me God's love. So thankful for him. I think of Scott and Pat Achia. Uh, the Achias helped uh, me to really connect uh, with all the families here as we came to South Bay to serve. Uh, that's how I met uh, the Casillas, uh, I think of Rico, the Costas, the Hoods. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty more I'm missing out here. Uh, but through them, I really got to uh, know many of the families here in the South Bay and get connected right away. And, uh, I, you know, I can't, say, I can't go without saying uh, how much I love and respect Annie and Karina Wingy. Uh We love them so much. I love just the, the weeks, the months, the years I got to spend with them uh, at their kitchen table, uh, dinner, dinner table, as I came to feed their son spiritual food, they, they were feeding me physical food, so that was a great deal. And I got to study the Bible with their son Kyle and uh, to see him mature and grow up, uh, it's really awesome to see who he's become. Uh, it's great to get his phone calls during his uh, spiritual uh, birthdays, and so really thankful for that. Uh, so I'm grateful for the South Bay Church and really who I've become uh, a lot has to, has to do with the South Bay Church here. And so uh, we're so indebted to you guys. You know, to remember, this concept of remembering, it's very biblical, as we'll see here today. And so, you know, while we remember the good old days, which is okay, but sometimes the, the good old days has this negative connotation. Like sometimes it means like, you know, those days, the high days, the, the good days are gone. We can't hit that pinnacle any longer and so we don't want to see it that way. We want to see it more like, you know, those days are to fuel fresh faith for us in the years to come as we faithfully serve God. And so uh, we're going to be looking at here today, remembering forward. Today, the title of uh, today's lesson is remember forward. The last lesson of 2014, remember forward. And so my prayer is that we could be better equipped uh, to reflect reflect. Uh, On the year, while also uh, having vision for the year to come, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter two, chapter three. Have the slides here for me. Got a little clicker here. But before we do, let's go to God in a word of prayer. Up in heaven, we thank you so much that we could come before you here and decide to give, give of our hearts, give of our energy to come and to exalt you, to call upon your name, to give you praise and glory. God, thank you for the church. Thank you for the way you've created the church for us to function, to grow, to inspire, to move, and to help each other, to draw nearer to you. And I pray, Father, that you would remove all the distractions that would prevent us from really hearing your word, from being instructed, from being guided, being better equipped so we could walk away here ready and prepared for the 2015 year. Father, we love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Philippians 3, verse 12. It says, not that I have already attained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what you've already attained. We're going to be breaking down here Philippians chapter 3 verse by verse, because I feel like there are five principles here that Paul gives to us that are necessary for us if we're going to strain toward what's ahead. First principle here is dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction. Verse 12, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already achieved perfection, but I keep working towards that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be. You know, one thing that Paul can't be accused of here is wanting to settle. He was not yet fully satisfied or fulfilled, although he had come a long way in his life from killing Christians to now making Christians, he'd come a long way, but he knew better not to settle. No matter how good things were, no matter how bad things were, you know, if it was a great year, don't settle if it was anything less than a great year then if you settle we know that that could be a little discouraging right so don't settle don't settle in thinking that we've arrived or believing that the best days are behind us here's the key Paul strove to only compare himself to Christ and not to others do you have any dissatisfaction in your life Is there something you can pinpoint? You go, you're just a little dissatisfied about. If you do, that's good. It's a good thing. Maybe you could think about where your spiritual condition has been. How we are ending the year with God. You know, maybe some of us, we've made some New Year's resolutions. And we're wondering how that's going, how that's going for us. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's the way we're leading our families. If you can find that little, man, there's, there's just that thing that I'm a little dissatisfied about, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Righteous dissatisfaction will promote change in our lives. Principle number two, devotion. Devotion. Verse 13 says, but I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. You know, what a challenge this is to us. You know, it's almost impossible to be devoted when we are distracted by many things. You know, it's sobering to think just how busy we can get with our schedules and our lives and get distracted. You know, it's not just an LA thing. You know, the struggle is real in Dallas as well. You know, we think about how much we wanna fill our lives up And, and sometimes we get twisted that, you know, God, he wants to give us life to the full, but in fact, what we're doing is just filling up our lives. We're getting a full life, but not life to the full. And there's a big difference between the two. You know, we serve the youth and family ministry there and we talk with a lot of teens and their parents and their schedules and and the things they want to be a part of. The piano lessons and the extracurricular activities and all those things in and of themselves are not bad at all. Their hobbies, you know, Dad's got to continue their golf game, got to keep up their golf game, got the backyard and the grass to grow and take care of and maintain. And sometimes we just need perspective. It's not about, you know, it's not about trying to balance all these things. It's about focus. It's about taking what's important and prioritizing what's really important. And sometimes you just got to remember, man, let the grass die and get your kids to heaven. That's what it comes down to sometimes. We need that kind of focus in the next coming year. It's about devotion. You know, what is the one thing you can look back on in 2014 and be thankful for? Because you were focused. You were devoted. You remember when you gave that kind of passion and devotion to something, and you saw that it made the difference in your walk with God. At the same time... What do you look forward to? What will you strive for in 2015? Find it, devote yourself to it, and be convinced that this right here, this is the thing right here that's got to change for 2015. Amen, church. Principle number three: direction. Direction. Verse 13: Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You know, when the Bible uses the word "forget," it does uh, it doesn't have the same meaning. As you and I might think you know to, to delete to erase to forget you know to forget in the Bible means to no longer be influenced or affected by it does not mean not to remember the Bible has plenty of commandments for us to remember as we'll see here in just a little bit what it is saying though is don't let your past dictate your future through Christ we are no longer victims of but victors of our pasts. Remember what has happened, remember, but don't let it influence or affect your future. It shouldn't hinder your ability to look forward. What are you looking forward to 2015? You know, every year, at the start of the year, we make this little video and it just highlights all the things that God has done throughout the year. and you notice that there's calendar dates on on that video, and those calendar dates were just calendar dates until at the end of the year, we realized that some of those calendar dates now carry meaning, now carry significance, whether it's people uh, coming to Christ and giving their lives over to him, Uh, whether it was uh, conferences that teens got to do together, Uh, just memorable things and dates that mean something now. I look forward to in 2015, what these calendar dates that are just, you know, we see every year, what they'll mean for someone next year. Fourth principle here is determination. Determination, verse 14, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us up to heaven. You know, Paul says, uh, the Bible says that Paul strove, he, he strained towards He pressed on towards because he was determined to reach his goal. Paul wanted to see God do something great in his life and in his ministry. And notice that he says he was called, that it was us. He's calling us upward. Yes, individually, but collectively as a whole, he's calling us as a family upward into heaven. That that should be our goal, that each of us are seeing to it, that we're seeing and helping our brothers and sisters remain faithful with every passing year. Because the reality is, guys, we know at the end of this year, there are some who are not here that were. So he says, calling us upward, it's not an obligation. It was a calling towards something heavenly. Was what you strained for, you pressed on for this year, Was it towards something heavenly? You know, our not so heavenly goals can sometimes distract us from ending the race, from finishing the race. And you know, it's all good, look around, we're in the South Bay and I went to the beach yesterday and I soaked it up coming from a land where, well, there aren't that many pretty beaches. And so I was loving it, I was enjoying the mountains and the sunsets and the beach. But the reality is, guys, as we look around, we're not in heaven yet, right? This isn't heaven, though Though boundary lines have, have landed in pleasant places, we're still not in heaven. And so there's still work to be done. There's still some of the devil's work to be undone here. What were you determined to see in 2014? What are you determined to see in 2015? Let's keep our goals heavenly. In 2015, so that no one misses reaching the end of the race. Amen. Our first principle here is discipline. Discipline. Verse 15, I hope all of you who are mature Christians will agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must be sure to obey the truth we have learned already. You know, the way we continue to learn and mature Here is through discipline. And uh, and the way we do that is by often not forgetting the basics. You think of an athlete who becomes a better athlete with time, they don't forget the basics. You know, I love being in the teen ministry again because you have, uh, you're working on the basics. And even after being, uh, you know, doing uh, character studies, word study, Bible studies, all kinds of studies, I'm still being called higher. Because people have questions. People want to know, can they believe in this God? Can they know that your faith is true, it's genuine, it's real? I love so much that, wow, I just got to get back down to the basics so that I can help people, so I can impact people and be used by God. He's calling us to get back to the basics. Take the lessons you've learned this year to apply them to your vision for 2015. You know, we're soon crossing over here from uh, 2014 to 2015. And I love these times of transitions when we can remember the past and look forward to the future. And there's a particular story in the Old Testament here that expresses that best. And it's the crossing uh, over of the Jordan by God's people as they left the the desert into the promised land. And so we're going to be doing some reading here. We're going to follow along here. I have all the slides here for us. We're going to be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. As we read uh, this trek here of the Israelites that I believe we could take away from this morning. If you could put yourself in their shoes, picture yourself, you're you're transitioning, you're making a, a crossing over from 2014 to 2015. They're going from the desert to the promised land. I believe there's a few principles that we could glean on here as we read from Joshua chapter 3, verse 5 says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. In other words, prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves for holy living. Prepare yourselves to be set apart. It's very intentional. It's very purposeful to take personal inventory of your spiritual condition this year. Why? Because the Lord will do wonders among you. Do we believe that, church? That God will do wonders among you. So consecrate yourselves. Take personal responsibility to be challenged by your faith or lack thereof where we've been. Because God is preparing a great work for us. Verse 6. Then he said to the priest, take the ark of the covenant and go on ahead of the people. So they carried the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of them. The Lord spoke to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, so they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the waters, stand in the Jordan. You know, we come to the river here, and we stand on the edge at times, and God now, though, he's calling us. He's calling us in. We must be willing to get our feet wet. Reflect on 2014 and maybe you weren't willing or so willing in certain areas in your life to get your feet wet. If you're a disciple of Christ, there is no such thing as a sideline Christian. There's no such thing as us sitting on the sidelines while others are in the trenches for God. What has paralyzed you this year? What has kept you from... Getting your feet wet. Maybe you've been studying the Bible. Maybe you're seeking a relationship with God. What has kept you from getting wet? Verse 14, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks through the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city uh, next to Zarean. The water flowing downstream into the Dead Sea was completely cut off. And the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priest carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. While all Israel crossed on dry ground into the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. God was doing something amazing here, Right? In Joshua chapter 4, I think I'm missing the slides for you. I'm sorry. Verse 4, Joshua summoned the 12 men selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, go across the ark of the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them. The waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. When he crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's waters were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. And on that day... Verse 14, on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him throughout his life. As they revered Moses, the Lord told Joshua, command the priests who carry the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests come up from the Jordan. When the priests carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant came up from the middle of the Jordan, and their feet stepped on the solid ground, the waters of the Jordan resumed their course following over all the banks as before. Then Joshua set up in Gilgag the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, when your children ask their fathers in the future, what is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan, before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. You know, what did they do as they crossed over? Well, they brought stones from the other side, one for each tribe as they were carried and led by God. And they represented them being brought into the promised land. And on the other side, they, they erected this memorial for God. And what did it serve? What purpose did this serve? Well, it served as a sign to future generations of what God had done. That this is not just for our children, but this is for our children's children's who the Lord is. And what he's capable of. The other thing it was for is to be a memorial to the people of of Israel forever, so that people would remember that God was with them. And lastly, was to show to everyone that the Lord is powerful, that He is mighty and greater. You know, God fulfilled His promise and He took them over out of Egypt into the promised land, and there God led them, and it was miraculous, it was awesome. And the stones that they were selected, did you catch that? The stones they selected weren't stones that were on the side that anyone could just see. They weren't stones visible to anybody who just came close. They were stones that were in the middle of the Jordan. In other words, these stones, they could not acquire, they could not possess them unless God had revealed them to them, These stones were special because God had revealed them to his people. Stones of remembrance. You know, and I just want to share a few of those stones in our lives here this year for Addy and I. Have a few pictures. Have a few slides that when I think of 2014, these are some of the things I remember. And as we're almost winding down here, the sermon is... It's gonna be pre- it's it's almost done to be preached, but it's not done until you go home. I wanna give you this homework. I want you to take time with your family, with your spouse, with your children, with your family group, get together and talk about the stones of remembrance for this year. Think it through. I want to share a few of us here of, of ours this year. This is May 13th. This is when our little baby boy, Emmanuel, was born. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, crossed his hands there. He looks like he's praying, trying to be all spiritual. This guy. Um, But uh, I look at that and I just go, wow. You know, Texan-born baby boy. I, I just, you couldn't have thunk that, you know. You just couldn't have. Especially when my humanistic thinking is, God, you know, I've grown up with sisters. I didn't grow up with a dad. So, God, you know, I know you bless us with a child. I hope maybe is it, if it's a girl, I think I'd do a little better job being a, being a parent. Uh, you know, I'm kind of in touch with my feelings a little bit more. So, God, that would be awesome. Because having a son, God, I just feel like I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm clueless. I'm, I'm a little nervous. So I'm scared. But that's exactly where God wants me to be, to be dependent on him. I'm so grateful for him. That that's a miracle, and my beautiful wife there, just hanging strong, and that's our little baby boy, Emmanuel. And uh, this is a more recent picture of him. Uh, he's laughing a lot, and he's got big hair. He's he's a Texan, so that makes sense. It's a picture of teen camp this year. My wife and I, on top of having our baby boy May, we got to serve as directors for teen camp, and. It's just been a, a big turn. The Dallas church is making a big turn in, a hel- in, in health and growth. And uh, it's such a privilege to serve with so many faithful young men and women who want to serve the next generation. Who want to build uh, and help grow a, a dynamic and thriving youth and family ministry across the state of Texas. And uh, that's just a, a picture of us just doing what we do. Having fun. And. Um, this is November time. This just happened uh, last month. And this is uh, our teen-led conference. And uh, every year we put the responsibility on our teens to host a conference uh, similar to an ICMC, what the campus would do. And it's, uh, it's done by teens for teens. And so we have, uh, you know, delegates represent every city. We have meetings upon meetings upon meetings. They learn to work in groups. They learn to take responsibility and come up from everything from the title, the invites, the sermons, the uh, breakout classrooms, the activities. There's a flash mob right there some of the teams were doing. That, that was just, that was a vision. That was a, a little mustard seed of faith that we should start doing these. And this is our second annual, this is our second year doing it. And uh, what a privilege for Addie and I to be able to host uh, this year's uh, team-led conference there. And at the end of the conference there, it was very special for my wife and I as uh, those are some of our really great friends there. Our evangelist uh, and and his wife, Derek and Leanne Vett, the Hoopers who are grandma and grandpa to us. We spent our Thanksgiving there as we can't come back here to L.A. uh, But we were appointed uh, evangelist and women's ministry leader uh, that weekend. And I look at that and I go, man, again. Who would have thunk that? Owen Thomas wouldn't, man. <laughs> but again, this is this is God. This is His glory. This is for Him. And there's many others. I don't think I had any other slides there for us. But I think of just even financially for us. You know, it's a big deal, right, to get out of debt, right? And uh, we finally cut ties with Sally Mae, Divorce Sally May. We're done. And uh, we're debt free. And uh, you know, and a minister's salary. It's awesome. But uh, just really grateful, uh, again, holding on to God's principles. And, and if you've, you've, you've been there, you're a death rate, man, it's awesome feeling. If you're not there yet, hold on. It works. Trust God and his principles. And so uh, we're thankful uh, for that. And, and I think of the teens, 12 teens that were baptized this year, the most teens we've seen baptized since we've been there in the four years. Um, God is doing incredible things. He wants us to carry that faith until next year. To look forward, to remember forward. You know, my wife's going to come up here and uh, she's going to lead our thoughts, lead a little bit of sharing and remembering forward as we prepare uh, to take communion this morning.
1: Good morning. (laughs) Um, It's so good to be back here. It's just Amazing seeing the many faces and the many people that had been part of our, our lives here when we were dating and even as young marrieds. I'm very grateful for so many of you here. Um, as mentioned before, I became a disciple at UCLA when I was a junior in college. Go Bruins! And two years after becoming a disciple, I married my amazing husband, Will. And now, five years later, God gave us the opportunity to become parents. Becoming a mom has been amazing so far, not only because of the joy that our son has brought into our lives, but also because God has allowed me to understand his love in another light like I'd never have before. Um, For one, I feel like God, through motherhood, has really helped me understand his unconditional love just a little better. Because it's something that I've always wrestled with. Like, how can God love me so much despite my shortcomings? And I know when I look at my son, I can't think of anything he could ever do that could make me stop loving him. And I know that that's how God views us. And secondly, God has taught me that he's always with us, even when it doesn't feel like it. And uh, a day after our son was born, the doctors told us that he was missing his uvula, which is the little structure in the back of the throat that helps with swallowing. And you know, I had had a healthy pregnancy, no complications, So when we received those news, it was just really, you know, hard for me, especially as a first time mom. And I really, I know it sounds so little, but it really shook my faith. And I had to wrestle with God and just ask the why questions. Like, why my son? Everything was going so great. And the issue with the missing uvula is that it could have affected his swallowing. It could have affected his heart. So when we were released from the hospital, Uh, I just, you know, instead of going home to a happy place, it was hard. I I went home with a heavy heart, especially since we were going to have to visit a specialist who would determine what the missing uvula meant for him. And, um, you know, before our son was born, Will and I set up his name on the wall. His name is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And during that time of wrestling for me, every time I would look at the wall, I I felt like God was trying to remind me that he was with us, but I just could not believe it at the time. It just did not feel like he really was with us. And I'm just so thankful for many brothers and sisters in the Dallas Church who prayed for us, who encouraged us, and especially for my husband who really led spiritually and Helped me focus on the fact that God was with us, even if my emotions said otherwise. Sorry, just a second. (laughs) And, um, you know, when we visited the specialist, we received the good news that our son does have a uvula. Till this day, we don't know if it's fully developed. He said he saw something in there but I'm grateful that he's been growing strong and healthy. And a few weeks ago we celebrated seven months on earth. So it's a victory definitely for God. Um, But looking back at the birth of our son and our journey as parents so far, I'm just grateful for the relationship that I have with Jesus. I think as a mom, I've come to appreciate Jesus sacrificed on the cross for me even more. I can't think of being a mom without God. And I think it's helped me realize my need for God even more, how much more I need to fight and hold on to trust him and to just really believe that he is there and that he will be with us no matter what comes our way. Um, So lastly, to close up here, Uh, My stone of of remembrance as as we remember forward is Emmanuel, God is with us. And I want to share a scripture in Psalm 139, uh, verse 7 through 10. And it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there if I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will will hold me fast. Thank you so much.